Welcome to the Raw Food Health Empowerment Podcast, where we delve into the powerful benefits of a holistic, high raw vegan lifestyle for achieving optimal health, brain function, and overall well-being. This podcast is not just about personal health. We're also passionate about community development and creating a culture of health through business and collaboration. Join us as we explore the intersection of raw food, holistic health, and community building to empower ourselves and others to live our best lives. I'm your host, Samantha Salmon, Certified Integrative Nutrition Coach and Brain Health Licensed Trainer. And today we're talking about the basics, basically. It's a whole introduction to raw veganism and digestive health. Um, I know this topic really comes up a lot. It's really popular on this channel. I have a video on um, constipation, right? A lot of folks are dealing with this and don't even realize that they're constipated. And I feel like raw veganism is really a great tool to address this. So just to do a quick overview of what we're gonna talk about today, we're gonna explain what is raw veganism because I know some people are confused, the components of a raw vegan diet, digestive health, why it's important, how raw veganism promotes digestive health. I'll talk about my own personal experience and tips for starting a raw vegan diet, all right? So if this sounds good to you, make sure you give me a thumbs up and I would love to hear in the comments below any questions you have about this topic. I will be in the comment section after this video is published looking for any questions that you have. Uh, my goal is to support you on your high raw vegan journey, okay? So we're, we're specifically gonna be talking about raw veganism, but I'll always bring in high raw veganism because that's, that's what I promote. I find that high raw veganism is very sustainable for anyone and everyone. Um, raw veganism can be difficult, but it is doable. Um, especially if you have chronic disease, you're dealing with a crisis, some kind of situation where you have to eat as clean as possible. Raw veganism is a great tool to overcome those types of situations. But if you're not in a situation like this, where you're in a crisis state with your health and you're just looking for sustaining, you're looking for weight loss, you're looking for digestive health, like we're gonna talk about, high raw veganism is great. All right, so let's dive into it. What is raw veganism, okay? So specifically raw vegan means that you're eating food that has not been heated beyond 118 degrees. And the purpose of this is because once you heat food beyond 118 degrees, you start to kill off some enzymes. Enzymes are necessary for all the metabolic functions of our body. I mean, there's a there's a million things going on right now in the body that you're not even aware of, which is a good thing because if you was aware, <laughs> if you were aware of something going on, then that's probably something bad happening, right? We typically don't feel a thing until um, some, uh, there's something really negative, really bad happening until we're feeling it. We're feeling our kidneys, our liver, because something bad is happening there, right? But we're not feeling a lot of this stuff is just kind of running in the background kind of like your computer system right the body is just so amazing that's why i'm so in love with like biology like how the body works because it's just you know and and i will always bring spirituality into this because when i learn about the body and how it works i just am in awe of god you know look at what god created right um but in its infinite wisdom of the body, it is a self-healing mechanism and it knows what it needs to heal and that is raw foods. Um, so for me in particular, I will share that when it comes to cooked foods, I'm not of the, the mindset that cooked foods are the devil and that they're poison and all this kinds of stuff. Some of these things you may hear online from raw vegan proponents and i appreciate all the raw vegan proponents out there on the interwebs you know promoting healthy eating right at the same time cooked food is not the devil <laughs> however certain foods should not be cooked most of our foods right when we start looking at starchy root vegetables and legumes and things like that it's better to eat them cooked especially i feel from a digestive perspective and apparently too according to research that was published on nih which even i was surprised about when it comes to 
pesticides. They found in research that actually cooking, if you're gonna consume non-organic foods, when you cook them, there's less pesticides showing up in the final product versus having it raw. But back to the definition of raw veganism, because I tend to stray, sorry. Raw veganism means that you are eating foods that have not been heated beyond 118. When I say high raw, that means that you're eating most of your calories. I go by calorie allotment. Some people, if like if you've read Brenda Davis, who's a registered dietitian, she has a, a book called Becoming Raw, where she talks about by weight, like if you consume more than 50 percent of your foods by weight, then that's high raw, right? And at 75%, you're raw. From my understanding, 100% is raw, right? Which means you don't eat any cooked food, which few, there's a, a, a small, very small percentage of people that do that. And then anything like high raw to me is like around the 75% really, when I say high raw, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking, and I'm basing it on calories, not based on weight. I don't have a scale in my kitchen. I don't know anybody who does, you know, and I don't necessarily think that's money you should spend to get a scale in your kitchen. I haven't, at least I haven't had the experience where I needed something like that, and I've never talked to anyone who's needed a scale in their kitchen, right? So that's not really something that we're gonna do is weigh our food. That's not something we're gonna do. However, calorie counting I have done and I do and I think it the reason why I did it in the beginning and why I think it's like it's important for us to kind of know and gauge when I started on my journey I wanted to make sure I was eating enough. That was my concern. I did not want to look emaciated and I was concerned that eating raw I would end up looking like skin and bones. So I did track calories just to make sure I was getting enough. Our body's at rest. If we're sitting down, we're not doing anything, it is burning calories because of like what I said before, right? Why are these enzymes needed? For metabolic functions. There's metabolic functions happening while we're at rest that allows us to breathe, that allows us to digest food like when we're not eating, right? We're right now I'm in between meals. I had breakfast and I'm gonna have lunch later. It, the, the body is digesting food right now as I'm speaking, right? It's pulling apart the proteins, the carbs, taking out the, 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 the vitamins and minerals and, and taking all of what it needs to do all the things it needs to do, right? All of that takes energy. My brain, it's, it's the, the, the hungriest <laughs> organ of them all, right? It's consuming, I forget what the percentage is, but a crazy amount, I think like 80% or something, something crazy, I don't know, of the amount of calories that we're consuming, right? The brain takes up so much. And so we have to have a certain amount of calories a day. And so there's, there's a whole like, process I take my clients through to really calculate how much they need because besides the calories you're burning at rest we're also doing activities some of us are more active than others and um, if you're looking to build muscle burn fat then you're gonna want to make sure that you are eating a sufficient amount of calories right so and if you're interested in in trying out raw and you need some calorie counting done that's already done for you. I have a 30-day raw vegan challenge and I'll make sure the link is in the show notes or the description to this video depending on where you're consuming this information that has all of that already done for you and you can make adjustments to tweak to you know what your calorie needs are. But just so you have an idea, it's already built in a whole 30-day meal plan with all the calories, protein breakdown, fat breakdown, all of this. Okay. So hopefully we're pretty clear what raw vegan means, what high raw vegan means. There's a whole long history, but I can share my personal history. When, when I hear other people talk about the history of raw veganism, it's really interesting to me the, the lens at which they look through. My introduction to it was basically <laughs> cafe gratitude at first, and then Aris Latham, Karen Calabrese, of Karen's Cooked, 
uh, Karen's Cooked and Karen's Raw, right? She had like three restaurants in Chicago when I was there, before I got there with my business and even while I was there with my business. I had a raw vegan business in Chicago for six years. And then, you know, while we were there too, there's Cousins, Incredible Vitality, another raw vegan restaurant there. But my gateway in was Cafe Gratitude, Annie Fio's book, this woman in New York that they now have a Netflix special on, Sarma. She was like one of my first raw influencers. I had her book, Pure Food and Wine, I think was her restaurant in New York. Um, But yeah, that was really my gateway in. And then also like green smoothies, right? Which I see that there's a woman, her name is, I feel like her name is JJ or something like this. But she has all these books on green smoothies. I found her after I was already doing it um, because it just made sense. And of course, Fully Raw Christina, I think she came out with her book probably uh, a year or two after I was, you know, doing this on this journey. I think so. Actually, I'm not sure. But my journey started in in 2008 on this this really high raw so really incorporating from the very beginning of my veganism with around this around the beginning like very close to the beginning with green smoothies because I gained a lot of weight when I went vegan I I gained weight like 20 pounds I got to 140 which was the heaviest I had been at that time right at that time in my life and so I knew I needed to have more vegetables because the reason why I was gaining weight was because I was eating a lot of bread and pasta because I didn't like vegetables. So I knew, intuitively, I knew I had to get the vegetables in. And so the green smoothies helped me get there. But that was pretty much my my history, you know. And of course, if you if we trace back and go even deeper into the origins, like I said, Karen Calabrese was one of those, you know, people that influenced me who influenced her. She talks about Anne Wigmore, I believe her name is. She always had Victorious, uh, man, I'm blanking on his last name. He has a really long last name, Victorious, <laughs> who would come to her restaurant and do talks all the time. You know, and then of course, Aris Latham. Dr. Sebi kind of had some of this influence in, in what he was teaching, what he was doing. And of course he was well known too at the time. So this is, you know, these are some of my influences and we can even trace back, trace back from there. But if, if that's something you're interested in becoming a scholar on the whole raw vegan thing, but this has actually been around from the very beginning, right? Because before fire, was discovered the, before the first person who said decided oh let's try and rub these sticks or stones or whatever together and make fire like people were eating raw obviously and it worked out for them or else we wouldn't be here right now to talk about it right so so it worked all right so let's talk about some of the common misconceptions about raw vegan diets and there's many because in the plant-based world there's so many different ways to eat even as a raw vegan there's different ways to eat there's not just one way and so even within that there are diets <laughs> not just a diet right but some feel that it's nutritionally deficient and this is a misconception because raw veganism is where all the nutrients come from right it's funny because some people think you need to eat animals to get nutrients but the question should be asked where do the animals get those nutrients even when it comes down to things like omega-3 fatty acids which i talk about a lot especially in terms of brain health hormonal health and things like that you know people are used to getting their omega-3 fats from fish and fish oil however why get it from the where does the fish get omega-3 from the fish gets the omega-3 from the seaweeds, from the algae, right? And so why get it secondhand? Just like all these other animals, right, that you, that folks would claim they get protein from and all this other stuff, but why get protein secondhand from the animal, right? That's like, for example, that's like if my mom ate chicken and then vomited it up, and then I eat her vomit so I could get protein. I'm pretty sure there's gonna be protein in there because she ate, right? right? But I could get it firsthand, right? Or she, or eat chicken or beans or whatever, right? Where does the chicken get its protein from, right? Where, where, do, where are these animals getting their protein? 
Where are they getting their calcium? Where are they getting their iron? Instead of eating regurgitated food, I want to get it directly from the source, right? And so this, the, the source is in the plant foods. The proteins is coming from the nuts, the seeds, the calcium is coming from your leafy greens, the iron also coming from greens, bur- broccoli, burdock, dandelion, you know, we have all that what we need in fruits and vegetables, right? On land, in the ocean, like we have, we have it directly there. So it is definitely there in the raw vegan diet, but you just need to be intentional about it, just like with any other diet. You know, there are folks eating, they call themselves omnivores, and just because you can eat something doesn't mean you should, right? So it's like for me, you know, maybe I could eat a piece of paper and it will probably go down, right? <laughs> it'll go down, it'll probably come out the other way. But should I eat it? You know what I'm saying? Just because I can doesn't mean I should. So that's why I say they call themselves omnivores. But, you know, even with them, you know, if they're not being intentional about nutrients, then clearly that can manifest into disease, which we're seeing right now. We're dealing with an epidemic of obesity, diabetes, cancer which you know there's a lot of things going on there but regardless of how you're eating being intentional about having all your nutrients covered is important and this also plays a role in like when we talk about raw veganism i want to point you to another resource that is on rawfoodmealplanner.com if you just go to rawfoodmealplanner.com i have a checklist to diversify your gut microbiome and this is pretty much if you're concerned about getting all the nutrients that your body needs on a high raw vegan diet the way you do that is by making sure you have a variety of different plant foods right and so on that checklist there's a little guide for you another misconception all raw foods are healthy now couple things raw a raw diet which is why i have to say raw vegan raw diets can include meat dairy right Uh, there are people who are eating raw meat they're having raw dairy and they're kind of using the same idea that eating it raw is healthier or whatever which no that's not the case i i feel like i watched a video on youtube where this woman was talking about how there's a some kind of tribe in africa she said there's a tribe in ethiopia that they drink goat's milk and blood and they're thriving i don't know if it's goat's milk and blood or cow some they said blood and milk or something she said so i was like who is this tribe in africa so i researched it and i only found one tribe i commented on it i can't even remember the name of the group but they die at 30 right their lifespan is to 30 so i would not necessarily call that thriving so when people are sharing information with you you want to make sure it's evidence based and bats right everything i'm sharing with you i can back up with book resources nih studies I could point you to to doctors, you know, who can also verify, you know, doctors who are knowledgeable on nutrition, which that is a minority group. And the reason why they're knowledgeable on it is because they're intentional about educating themselves on it or they're doing research on it, you know. But yeah, so in terms of the misconceptions of all raw foods being healthy, that's a misconception. Now, in the raw vegan diet, you have you know, certain foods that folks are eating raw that, like I said, I wouldn't do that because I think it's a little rough on the digestive system. Like, for example, you know, sprouting beans, which is great, but then eating that without cooking it, which I've done, I've had in like a little bit, you know, just have a little bit over salad or whatever. It has a nice texture of like a crouton. Um, But I don't necessarily think that is the best for the digestive system because, um, you know, there's a lot of like anti-nutrients on on beans, even on nuts. And when you cook the beans, you're getting rid of you're getting rid of that. Sprouting it does get rid of it some. It and sprouting is is you definitely want to soak your beans overnight. And, and drain off that water, rinse it, and then cook it 
um, for, you know, just to support the, the gut. But for some of us who have very sensitive guts, right, we want to do all the things possible to make sure that we are not compromising our, our gut lining. Um, because this can, if, the, if we have a compromised gut lining, which that can do when very large protein particles are passing through, and it's alerting the immune system, right? Like, it's like, wh what are you doing back here, right? This will hurt us in the long run because then we're not able to absorb nutrients from the foods that we're eating, and which has, you know, cascading issues after that right so just being really intentional also like some folks in the raw food world are having lots of nuts and seeds like heavy heavy fats which doesn't work for everybody i know me personally i have i've had the experience you know because you start when you start this thing you experiment which is always good to experiment with your body i've experimented and learned that i can only handle a certain amount of fats otherwise I feel horrible, I'm having stomach cramps, I'm having headaches, right? So I find, you know, the amount that works for me. So beyond that, obviously it's not healthy for me if I'm having physical pain. My body is telling me, danger, this is not working, right? So it, you really need to experiment with your body. Another misconception that cooked food is toxic, we already talked about that, it is not, okay? <laughs> there are healthy ways to prepare your food in a cooked fashion, but it is not toxic. Cooked food is not toxic. There are foods that are toxic, right? We're talking about actual toxins on and in the food, which, uh, you know, glyphosate would be one, right? So that's why I encourage getting organic food. There's also meat, dairy, eggs, which is doing more harm than good. And also even calling it food seems crazy to me, like this, is not food, right? And once we understand that it's not food, even though it's in the grocery store, but the grocery store has things that aren't food, right? That we would never put in our mouth. Also, alcohol is another one. Alcohol is hugely toxic. There's no amount that is healthy or helpful to the body in any way. It is damaging the brain at any level. And this is backed by research. This is completely toxic and also should not be considered food. But I'm using that terminology here because this is the, the majority of the world is considering these things to be food and so that's the terminology that I'm using uh, another misconception all fats are bad you know I guess this is circulating that all fats are bad but that's not true right saturated fat is not helpful for the body typically it's coming along with cholesterol because it's usually coming from those animal sources but there are healthy fats and healthy fats live within that raw vegan realm. That's the avocados, nuts, seeds. And of course we talked about, you know, making sure that you're getting the amount that supports your health and not too much so it's damaging your health. And, and also there's a, there's a, like a minimum amount that you need, right? Cause our omega-3 fats we need. So you're not gonna do no fat, but too much fat also may not be helpful. There's also a misconception that the raw vegan diet is expensive and inaccessible. And this is probably maybe yes, maybe no a misconception. For, for some people who live in food deserts and their only access to, to produce is like the gas station or something like this, then yes, you know, this could be very inaccessible. But I have a community that I'm launching soon. And hopefully, if, you, if you're on my email list, you'll be the first to find out about it. My, the whole point of my community, the self-care salon, I'm relaunching it, is to really make this whole lifestyle more accessible. So a lot of the food, the live food, demos that we're doing together not really demos like prepare alongs let's let's call them because we're not cooking the uncook alongs right where we're just getting together making raw food meals together most of these dishes are going to be from the, using produce from my local Publix I'll probably go to Sprouts because Sprouts is just easier to shop to get organic greens and getting organic is very important for me but I understand for a lot of people 
even in major cities, getting organic is really the 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 issue, right? It's not so much getting the items, but getting organic. Organic is this is like a whole movement that we need to start. Like, and the movement is the grassroots movement that needs to happen is us communicating with our neighbors why it's important for us to have organic in the supermarket. Because the feedback I'm getting from supermarkets is that the organics aren't selling enough for them to keep it on the shelves. And I feel like that is a, an awareness issue, right? People don't really fully understand why they should spend a whole dollar extra on something organic when they could get it cheaper, right? Especially at a time like now, which it's that time like now is always the time. People are always trying to nickel and dime on things. And I feel like food is where you don't want to nickel and dime, right? Because you're going to pay, maybe you save a little bit here now, but you're going to pay thousands later if cancer comes knocking at your door, right? And this is the these chemicals that they're putting in the food with the Roundup and things like this, the glyphosate, these pesticides, is really not just causing cancer, but it's an endocrine disruptor wreaking havoc on our hormones, right? Women are having issues with cysts on ovaries, fibroids, endometriosis, having difficulties with pregnancy and men also, the quality of their sperm also going down. A lot of these chemicals are showing up in our urine and things like this. So to say that we're not affected by it is like that's already been rebuffed by science. We, we definitely are affected by it. And these toxic chemicals also affect our brain, which affects how we show up in the world, right? So a lot of these crimes that are being committed, you know, a lot of them could be traced back to the grocery store, right? And I've tried to make that point on a couple of episodes on the podcast before, and I will continue, you know, to kind of highlight this to folks on my email list and things, because it's, it's just going to take like an understanding. We all just need to get a little bit more educated on nutrition and how much we are impacted by what we consume. When we consume food, water, any kind of drink, anything we put in our mouths, anything. We are bringing the outside in, right? The outside is coming in and it's now becoming part of us, right? And this is a problem if it is a toxic substance. So yes, in terms of that quasi misconception of inex of expensive and inaccessible, hopefully the self-care salon can showcase that it's probably more accessible and more affordable than you may think, right? There's been some people who have tried to make this argument before. There's a really great raw vegan book called Raw Foods on a Budget by, I wanna say Brandy Collins, I'm blank, I don't remember her name. But this one, you know, is worth a try. Ama Apare's raw vegan book is really great too. She has really simple recipes and it's high raw. Most of them are raw, some of them are cooked, but also mixing it like that, doing high raw as, a, as opposed to 100% raw, I find is very much affordable and accessible because you will be able to mix and match to fit your needs to get the satiation you're looking for, the bulk that you're looking for, while also reaching the health goals that you're looking for. And if one of those health goals is digestive health, we're about to dive right into it. And then, oh, but I just can't, I cannot skip over two more misconceptions, right? One, one other misconception is that raw veganism is a fad diet. It's been around for forever, okay? Karen is, I'm not sure how old Karen is. Then there's Dr. Gabriel Cousins and Victorious, I can't, his last name is really long and I don't want to mess it up. But these people are, you know, what, in their 70s, 80s? And they have people even before them who've been, <laughs> who've been doing this. So it's not a fad diet, right? It didn't just show up yesterday. It's been around. People have been doing it. Actually, it was the original diet, okay? That was the original. If you look at any period piece movie even on Netflix, and that's not the beginning of time, but even if you look at that, who was eating grapes? The royalty was eating grapes, right? These foods is what, you know, 
people who feel valued, they value themselves, they feel worthy, this is what they feed themselves. And, and the food makes you feel this way in return, right? Makes you feel valued and worthy. Everything is operating properly. You're just firing on all cylinders. You're feeling as vibrant as the food looks, right? And it's not a fad diet. The other and last misconception we'll cover today is that raw veganism equals eating cold food only. And I know this is a pushback I get a lot, especially with folks living in cold climates, which I totally appreciate. When I lived in Chicago, actually, the winter times was when my raw veganism really kicked up into, into high gear for some reason. But I do things differently. Like I don't eat frozen fruit for the most part, number one. But number two, definitely not in the winter. I, I keep my fruit out. Not everything needs to be frozen. Not everything needs to be refrigerated, you know? And if you also utilize things like a dehydrator, you can make things warm. If you blend things along, you can make them a little warm. You just don't wanna put them on the stove or in the oven, right? Because these tools don't have the capacity to heat and not go above 118 degrees, right? Or, or 48 degrees Celsius for those of you who are outside of America, right? So you can have the best of both worlds. Plus there's like spices and things that are warming spices that you know you can incorporate. All right, so let's go into the key components of a raw vegan diet. First of all, you have your main food groups. There's the fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, sprouts right this is pretty much what you're eating uh, seaweeds right um and of course the nutritional benefits abound you're getting a ton of vitamins minerals enzymes all of these things now what's the difference between raw and cooked i already explained that you know when you cook the food you're losing some minerals but there's certain foods that you should not that i would not eat raw for example a potato a sweet potato. I'm of Jamaican background, right? We have this thing called breadfruit. I don't think I've ever seen breadfruit eaten raw, but roasted, it's delicious, okay? So there's, and and that's not something I would ever not eat, right? Roasted breadfruit is the bomb.com. You're getting lots of nutrients and it's highly palatable and it has this that starch that sticks you know where you cut you feel satiated right all of this stuff matters for sustainability on the journey when you're trying to find a healthy eating pattern and have a healthy relationship with food right this is not about like holding yourself to anything that's why there's always a why behind it it's like why are you eating this way not because you see someone else on whatever you know in a bikini you know, saying, oh, look at me, like I'm this, but if it's not sustainable, there's no point going down that road. You need something that's sustainable, that's enjoyable, right? And this this is really what I attempt to do with my membership, the self-care salon, is to make it fun, make it sustainable, make it enjoyable, and, and normalize it for yourself, because that is really what the key is. We're used to what we're eating because our parents made this food, we grew up making this food, we know how to make this food. We just need to normalize some different recipes, right? And and make that be a part of it. Even like while you're in transition, you don't ever have to get to 100% raw, but if you do get there, that's awesome. You know, wherever it is you need to get, that's great for you, for your health, your health journey, perfect, right? But we just wanna normalize this because this is healthy eating. This is where the nutrients actually come from to provide your body what it needs to keep things clean, keep your digestive system clean, your cardiovascular system clean, to keep your brain functioning at top performance, top peak performance. This is where all of these nutrients are coming from. Now, how to maintain a balanced diet is making sure that you are getting all of these things, right? Your fat, carb, protein, which you will. Every food has fat. Every food has protein in different amounts, right? There's just different amounts. Some have more than others, right? So you're gonna get your fat sources mostly from your nuts and your seeds. You're gonna get your protein from that as well. On a high raw vegan diet, we're incorporating cooked beans and lentils. Then you're also gonna get nutrients and carbs and calories from fruit so you're not 
under eating, right? We need those calories to feed the brain because it's energy hungry and to make sure that our body has the calories it needs to do all the things that it needs to do. Then sprouts, you know, sprouts are just high in mineral content. So, you know, we'll get sprouts in there. And so basically this is a balanced diet, right? You're getting your fats, you're getting your proteins, you're getting all the nutrients that you need as long as you continue to rotate. And part of that rotation is eating what's accessible, eating what's in season, right? Not all the same foods are gonna be in season. You don't have to keep going to the freezer aisle to get frozen fruits and vegetables. Like eat what's actually fresh. And that way you don't have to worry about getting too cold. You don't have to worry about, you know, missing out on nutrients because you're switching things up. And that's basically how you maintain a balanced diet. Now, in terms of digestive health, of course, we know digestive health is important. If you are not going to the bathroom doing number two on a regular basis, meaning at least once a day, right? Depending on your diet, it may just be once a day. It could be three times a day. And it has to be a certain consistency, right? You don't want it too watery. You don't want it too hard. So they're dropping like pellets. Those are signs of either constipation or diarrhea. So you want the right and proper consistency. There's a Bristol stool chart. All of this stuff I go over with my, with my clients. Uh, when we're talking about digestive health, you know, how are your bowel movements? This is critical. Our bowels and our waste is how we are releasing toxins, releasing trash. We don't want all that stuff to be, to stay in us, right? That's how we, you know, different issues can manifest. So we want to keep everything running, right? We want things running smoothly. And raw foods helps us do that because it's rich in water, it's rich in fiber. So it's basically, you know, scrubbing the whole colon clean and rinsing everything out. It's like taking a shower for your insides, right? So it's helping us on many levels, plus the fact that the enzymes. Now, you know, there seems to be some debate with the science, like if you read Brenda Davis's Becoming Raw, she talks about some of the, the studies on like, do the enzymes survive, the food enzymes? So like our body makes enzymes to digest food, but raw foods come with its own enzymes, right? And I, I always say like, you know, I love eating raw because the food basically digests itself. And I have a history of acid reflux and I remember in college, my first, I think it was like my first year of school, I'm in a human genetics class and my professor talks about his friend who had to have his stomach moved up all the way to his chest, right? Because he was knocking back Pepto-Bismol like water, basically. Never addressed the fact that he was having such severe GERD. And so he had, he had esophageal cancer and who knew? And I was like, you know, cause like at that time too, my family, Tums was a regular. We always had Tums in the house. Everybody was popping Tums, especially around Thanksgiving and Christmas. This was just a regular. And 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 I'm from New York. On the commercials, they would always have Tums, the Tums, Tums, Tums. You know, like we all know the, <laughs> the ad, right? This is just part of our life, regular life. Like who's living without Tums? Of course we all have Tums, you know? And so to hear that somebody had to have his whole stomach brought up into his chest because he wasn't really addressing the issue. This is not good to just be dependent on these things. This was a shocker for me. And so this is a, a huge, one of the, uh, the, probably the biggest, you know, just for my own personal comfort and also fear. Fear is a huge motivator for me. I, you know, like I always tell the story about my, my grandma watching her suffer on hospice care, dying from type 2 diabetes, right? It was such a long, drawn-out, painful, passing-away period for her that, you know, food could have fixed. Food apparently caused it, but food could have fixed it, and I didn't know. But I, I've always been, I think from that moment was like the aha that hit me that food is just not worth this type of pain and suffering and so when i heard this message also i was like yo that's crazy like i'm not willing to get carved up just because i like pizza or whatever you know <laughs> like what can we do about this so you know in in becoming raw 
Brenda Davis and her her co-author, they talk about some of the, the studies that show that are, are kind of like looking into do the enzymes, the food enzymes, actually survive past the gastric juices in the stomach. And so there's some debate about that. But for me personally, from the mouth to the stomach, right, everything that's going on here is where I'm getting the most benefit from my raw foods personally in terms of how I physically feel, right? Because the food is just digesting itself easily. It's going down easily. I don't have to be concerned about drinking water. Water's already in the food, right? Because this food is water-rich. It's fiber-rich, so it's feeding my gut bacteria, the healthy bacteria, which is making sure my brain is working properly, right? So my energy is there. I'm happy and I'm joyful because the gut bacteria is happy and joyful, right? Because I'm feeding it what it needs and I'm getting all the nutrients from this food. The digestion is so much easier because of this water and fiber. Also, waste is coming out no problem and it's coming out properly, right? So I'm not full of it, right? <laughs> As they say, you don't want to be full of it, right? So this is why it's important, right? And, you know, I've had folks in my family get severely sick just because they were so backed up and they didn't say anything to anybody because, you know, I guess it's a taboo thing for some people don't feel comfortable talking about it. Um, but we will be talking about it a lot on this channel. Actually, you know, bowel movements is something my mom and I, if you've listened to us on the podcast, we like talking about a lot. Like this is so important, you know, when you are talking, meeting with your doctor about a health issue and they're asking you questions because a doctor knows what a doctor knows. A doctor has been taught about drugs. They've been taught they've been taught about the body and the body system how it works they've been taught research studies how most people are reacting to certain things but what the doctor doesn't know is what's going on with you and your body right so you have to be an advocate for yourself the only way you can be an advocate for yourself is by being intelligent enough to pay attention to what's going on with you what are you eating what is coming out how does what's coming out, what does it look like, right? The, the color of your bowel movements, the shape of your bowel movements, the, the frequency of those bowel movements, like all of that, the smell, all of that is important because these are clues to what is going on when and, when and if an issue occurs. Also your urine, how often are you urinating? Is there a smell? You know, what's the, these types of things, like all of this stuff matters, paying attention to what's coming out is important. Also paying attention to what you're putting in is important. All of this is important. So you need to be up to date on yourself to help yourself, but also to help your doctor help you or whoever health care professional that you, you know, could be working with, right? Now, when it comes to common digestive health issues like irritable bowel syndrome, constipation and bloating, Raw foods is really great for this, why? Because irritable bowel syndrome, one of the mechanisms that I've heard and have been taught to address it, other than you know following a, a food elimination protocol is, you know, and part of that is not even so much elimination for everyone, that's why you, it's really helpful to work with someone, maybe a coach or dietitian or somebody to kind of help you become a detective in something like this because irritable bowel there are triggers that are affecting you and just kind of figuring out what those things are scaling those things back if it's like a healthy food you don't want to completely eliminate it for forever and so there's a whole protocol for handling stuff like this but one of the ways to kind of avoid it avoid IBS or mitigate it is having diverse fiber sources, right? And all plant foods have fiber. Meat, dairy, eggs do not have fiber. This is one of the ways to kind of shore up, like I said, the, the gut lining and the integrity of the gut. Constipation, we talked about why raw foods help with that because it's water rich and fiber rich. Bloating, because we are eating foods that basically they have the enzymes to digest itself so it's not so taxing on the body the body is contributing it some the food is contributing its own to help 
you know, digest it. But also there's water already in it. So it mitigates any issues with bloating, right? Okay, so now on to tips for starting a raw vegan diet. Gradually transition or dive in headfirst. I'm not one of those people that will tell you do one or the other because everybody's different, you know? Maybe you wanna transition, maybe you just wanna dive in. I know when I found out about veganism, right? It was made clear to me by someone, which I have no idea who this person is. It was some guy, a professor on a YouTube video explaining to a class, it was like part of this whole video, why our physicality as humans, you know, like our teeth, the length of our intestines, all these things, our eyes, the fact that our eyes see color, all of these things contribute to the fact that we should, our natural diet is fruits, right? <laughs> and, and vegetables, nuts and seeds, but mostly fruits really, but is not made to consume meat, dairy, eggs, right? Because of these things. And so everything he said made sense. And Dr. Doug Graham in his book, 801010, he goes through this whole long list. He has an extensive list if you wanna refer to that book but there's a whole chart in there on all the different parts of the body and the reasons why, you know, like the differences between us and carnivores, right? So we are not carnivores, okay? We don't, and, and that's why I would say we're not even omnivores. Like just because we can eat something doesn't mean we should, okay? So I'll leave that point alone. But once I learned about this, I didn't really need to linger on meat and dairy. Like it just did not, I already, it was clear to my mind that this is not food, right? And I was able to make connections to what was being said to actual personal experience. The fact that, you know, my experience prior to that in New York was getting a cold four times a year with lots of mucus coming out my nose. It would be so bad, like it would be deep yellow, sometimes green, thick mucus, right? Painful periods. Like I said, I had it acid reflux. Sometimes, I, like I had really bad digestion, but you know, at the time I was lactose intolerant, but not really paying attention to it. I drank lactate, so there was an understanding that I was lactose intolerant, but I didn't stop eating pizza, taquitos, and things like this, you know. So there was a kind of a, not a cognitive dissonance, like I just did not know. I really was not paying attention to nutrition on that level at that time. My college days and, and prior, I was more paying attention to water vegetables because this was stuff that was being talked about in my household because my parents didn't know you know i knew what they knew and that's what i was learning right <laughs> fitness was a thing like my dad has always been fit he used to run track my mom exercised and we would exercise together sometimes so you know i was into that but i did not my nutrition knowledge was not there and so i only could do what i knew at the time but then once I found out, you know, I was two weeks on a transition from, from my recollection. Now it's 15 years later and I'm starting to forget. But it was two weeks and not, I'm, I'm not even sure what, what it was that I was holding on to. Because I remember I used to like the string cheese mozzarella, but I don't remember eating too much of that. But anyway, it was two weeks as a vegetarian and then I was 100% vegan and I haven't looked back since. Uh, but some people, it takes them a long time. At the time too, some things that really worked in my favor was the fact that I lived in the Bay Area. I was walking distance from a Whole Foods, walking distance from a Trader Joe's. I was not too far from Cafe Gratitude, like I said. So it was easy. Plus, you know, my partner was eating this way and so you know, I had support. There was no one in my ear talking about, oh, you're doing this crazy thing. Like I didn't have anyone else in charge of my food. So, you know, it worked out for me because of those things, because of community accessibility. Um, yeah, it all worked out. <laughs>
<laughs> so you gotta, you know, we all have different situations at which we're coming into this. So you have to figure out what works best for you. And some basic raw vegan recipes to start, I would highly recommend checking out that 30 day raw vegan challenge and tipping your toe in, looking at what seems easy to do. For me, the easiest thing where I started is like I said, green smoothies. I needed to get vegetables in. So I put kale and spinach in the blender with fruits that I liked, you know, mangoes, apples, oranges, different things like this and I didn't even taste the greens and they were green. So I felt a sign of accomplishment. I'm getting in nutrients and I don't taste it, you know, cause at the time I didn't like those things. And some words of encouragement, your palate changes. I now love kale so much I can eat it with nothing on it. Just needs to be thoroughly washed cause sometimes there's little bugs inside, right? Cause we love it, the bugs love it even more than we love it, right? But these, this is an easy way to get, to get started. So to wrap up, I encourage you all to make love to your digestive system by eating more raw foods. You cannot go wrong eating more raw foods, getting in those greens, getting in your fruits. We are not eating enough fruits and vegetables as a country. And this is why hypertension is so high, obesity is so high. I honestly like, even folks I've heard on YouTube talk about they gain weight eating fruit, which I kind of give a side eye to, but let's say you did gain weight, okay? There's no way possible to end up obese as a high raw vegan or <laughs> as a raw vegan, like there's no way. And so we wouldn't have these issues that are causing metabolic issues, you know? And and we could talk in, in, in later episodes too, I don't wanna have this thing go on too long, but I can go on a whole tangent about fat, fat distribution, and this, you know, healthy at every size whole conversation, because there's a lot of misconceptions out there. But just know that everything I'm saying here is not coming from a place of aesthetics, right? I used to exercise as a young person looking for, to keep my body at a healthy size, right? Because in my family, I come from a Caribbean background, my family's from Jamaica. Fat and rolls and love handles, right? <laughs> love handles, having the butt and everything. These are things that not only are accepted, but they're loved and appreciated, you know? Having something to hold on to, having something to shake and to flab and all this kinds of stuff. So this, I've never had an issue with body dysmorphia. I do like, how I look at a certain size, at a certain shape. And so for me, I, I do go for those personal goals and it's fine to have those personal goals. When things start to get into a negative place where you're starting to hate your body, this is something different, right? And, and that's, not, that's not what we are trying to do here. In this space, we are talking about health so we can thrive and feel comfortable in our bodies, not feel any pain and uncomfortability, to keep our body functioning properly and thriving so that we ourselves can thrive and have our best life because this life is short, right? And we deserve to have our best life. So that's what, that's what all this content is about. That's what this space, you know, on the internet is all about. It's not necessarily about how you look. However you look, love on yourself, okay? At the same time, love on you by feeding yourself what is helping it to do what it needs to do to serve you so that you can show up to be the best you can be. Now, the next episode, we're gonna be talking about Digestion 101, how raw foods impact the gut. We'll do a whole deep dive on that. And again, if you liked this video and you're watching on YouTube, make sure to give a thumbs up, subscribe, and hit the notification bell so you get notified every time that I drop a new episode here. And until next time, be well.